Liz Mayor, I mean, you're a Republican supporting Gary Johnson, the Libertarian right. candidate who's going to join me, I said, at the top of the next hour, along with his running man, Bill Weld. Have you lost any hope that the GOP can rein Trump in to be more traditional or at least uh, di more disciplined as a candidate? I, I lost all hope of that uh, probably seven, eight months ago now, quite candidly. It's amazing to me that anybody's still having a discussion about having some sort of an intervention or bringing him back on message. I think, as Errol just said, this is his message. His message is being a loud-mouthed dick, basically. You're listening to The Renzo Republic. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me once again. I'm your host, as always, Remso W. Martinez, the one and only Remso from the Remso Republic. What I'm hoping is your favorite podcast these days. We try and give you the best show available online, especially when it comes to libertarian content. Libertarian content, which we're going to be talking about tonight specifically. As of now, by the time you're listening to this, the second libertarian town hall debate with Anderson Cooper, speaking with the libertarian ticket of Governor Gary Johnson and Governor Bill Weld, has taken place. Everyone is talking about it. Everyone wants to know everyone's thoughts. Tonight, we're not just going to talk to anybody. Tonight, we're going to talk to an actual person that has a bit of, a, you know, a bit of their own skin in the game. You know me, I've said that I'll be voting for Johnson Weld, but I'm not personally invested in it. Of course, you know, People can say the outcome of the country and everything that happens to our unstable republic could be seen as an investment. But, you know, I'm not the one making phone calls and giving money and out there advocating for Gary. I'm just here to put out the facts. Facts, which our guest tonight will go ahead and try and give to you to give a little bit more of his insight. Our guest tonight is actually Ed Lopez. Ed is the co-chairman of Republicans for Johnson Weld. For those of you that don't know him, he was actually ranked one of the 50 most influential Latino Republicans of Newsmax in 2016. Ed has worked and served on boards of directors of academic, nonprofit, political, public service, and public relations endeavors spanning domestic and international affairs. This includes work for the United States Army Military Intelligence Corps, the University of Connecticut, Habitat for Humanity International, Hard Rock International, the Republican Party, and the United States Senate, as well as consulting for organizations and individuals in healthcare, nonprofit, production, entertainment, and academia. His experience includes multilingual public and government relations, security, intelligence, and international relations counseling. Ed writes political and public policy guest columns in local, statewide, and national publications, including Go Local Prov, Greenwich Times Politics, Reader, The Advocate, The Daily Caller, and The Portsmouth Herald, The Providence American, The Providence Journal, and The Telegraph. He's also a guitar player. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ed Lopez from Republicans for Johnson Well to the show. Ed, how are you doing? Not too bad. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Not a problem at all. So I'm going to say something which I thought I would never say. I actually am not angry at Gary Johnson and Bill Weld for once. <laughs> and why? What, so what, what have you been angry about before? Was it the town hall that turned you around? or? Uh... It, I don't think anything could have turned me around in the sense that I wouldn't <laughs> have not voted for them. I mean, it's either Dumpster Fire A or RoboCops Detroit B <laughs> in terms of just my usual opinions of them. 
for once it wasn't Bill Weld worshiping at the altar of Hillary Clinton or Gary Johnson just fumbling, giving the whole I'm I'm fiscally conservative and socially <laughs> liberal type of thing. I mean, right. <laughs> he, I, don't, I don't know if Gary took a doobie snack or anything, but he seems to be present in the moment. He gave some pretty good answers. He wasn't relying on his co-president, Bill Weld, the entire time. And Weld actually came off like, you know, a, a more conservative, a more you know, limited government type of guy. I mean, I was just, I was impressed. This is what I wanted to see out of them since May. And I'm glad that they took this opportunity not to turn it into the Titanic that I thought it was going to be. I think if I were an independent, apathetic, politically apathetic voter, I would have seen this and say, hey, those are two sensible, normal guys. They have their acts together. And I think I could probably vote for them. Definitely. I think it was a home run for them. They definitely came across as um, very presidential and uh, very reasonable at the same time, especially compared to, I think, the last town hall um, it was, was a bit atrocious. of a different experience. It, it was, was It was definitely more difficult for them. I think they, they were more prepared for this one, for sure. Um, but I also think that uh, perhaps the, the week has been so rough for Donald Trump and, uh, and in a lot of ways, uh, um, you know, the whatever bounce Hillary Clinton got from uh, the convention. I don't necessarily think that people are any more enamored with her. I'm not sure her negativity ratings are improving, uh, or you know, seeing any sort of uh, of improvement. And I think based on that, uh, Johnson and Weld are going to these sort of interviews and town halls and and these events with uh, a stronger sense of confidence. Uh, not to mention that I think that uh, we we have a lot of momentum. The Republicans for Johnson and Weld. There's been a lot of great response, a lot of media, and I think that uh, the the quality of the people that we've brought on board so far shows that uh, there are Republicans who appreciate their uh, 10 years Republican governors and who think that they can govern as we would expect the Republican Party to if they adhered to more libertarian principles, actually. Like Reagan said, it's the heart of conservatism. Yeah, that's that's something I, I was going to bring up. I'm actually glad that you brought it up before I did. But there's, um, you know, it, it, it excites me to see a committee such as yours pop up. We definitely need all the support from people all over, you know, the political spectrum. And as I've constantly said throughout the show's time on the air, a person who's my 90% friend is not my 10% enemy. I believe in coalitioning of people, cooperating of people who are right. different than I in order to get the same means. I think you and I have the same means in which we want to live in a freer, more prosperous society with open minds and free markets. But the, the one thing that has me kind of perplexed is I'm seeing a large number of Republicans jump on board, and I like that. I mean, I was a Ted Cruz guy for kind of a long time, and I was happy to see a lot of conservatives jump over to the Libertarian Party. I think a lot of these constitutionalists, a lot of these liberty conservatives, I think they have a home in the LP that, frankly, the GOP has done, you know, purging with. I, um, I mean, just the fact that Ted Cruz is is still Donald Trump's number one target at this point. Mm -hmm. That definitely shows that the GOP is not a very liberty-friendly place these days. But the thing that bothers me about more and more Republicans coming in is the fact that we've got Bill Kristol giving a kind of sort of endorsement to Johnson Weld. We have Mitt Romney possibly considering it. We have people saying, Jeb Bush, go ahead and endorse them. I don't want to say I'm afraid of the wrong type of Republican coming in, but I'm actually terrified of the wrong type of Republicans coming in. So what's your approach to this? 
That's a really good question because when I when I've seen those endorsements, uh, potential endorsements uh, being mentioned in the news, it has come to my mind that a lot of the folks that 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 would have had a hard time with these guys at a Republican convention um, or even within their local Republican parties, when when this sort of Republican um, this segment of the Republican Party uh, comes into play in any interaction that you have at, at any level of the party. It's usually to the detriment of the libertarian-leading Republicans, and so that's something that, uh, when you look at it, I think what's going on is they are coming to an understanding that uh, obviously they don't feel that Trump is going to represent the party well, and and I think that what Trump is, uh, you know, Trump's momentum, a lot of it came from open primaries, and it's come from a lot of people that haven't necessarily been uh, involved in the party for a very long time. It's good to see people involved in politics that haven't been before, and that's benefited uh, libertarians a lot in the past when they've made inroads in one place or the other. But I think that that a lot of these Republicans in the end find that they have more that they agree with Johnson and Weld on. Uh, you know, limited government and uh, and lower taxes. I think that where they might part is on some uh, other issues like foreign policy stuff, maybe. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that they see the majority of the issues are issues that resonate with them. And they, you know, these were two Republican governors. And as executives in, in these two states, they acted in a way that most Republicans would find palatable and agreeable. And to that degree, I think that their understanding, um, in reality, these are the, the two most Republican candidates on the ballot this coming November. It's the most Republican ticket. And we're in a really weird time historically. Uh, and this is happening globally, actually. Um, I think that you, you see this re- reflected in things that are going on around the world. Um, it's a very strange time. I think the GOP is going through uh, some growing pains, if you may, or actually based on the age of the – it's the grand old party. I think maybe um, – The cracks it's going, are showing. Right, and I think it's uh, – you know, I'm not ready to say the party is, uh, is going to perish. I think that it's either going to go through a substantial change where it begins to um, reassert its foundational principles – and and I think that's possible because a lot of the people, for example, our committee, uh, our organization has people from diverse age groups, but you do see a lot of younger folks. And those are the people that have a sense that the party has started to focus on the wrong things and has lost a uh, good footing on those things that, that we share with libertarians, actually. Gotcha. And my the, the biggest thing that comes to my mind is it, it's this idea is – where does your continued efforts go? Because everyone is talking about everything leading up to no- to November 8th. Everything is just focused on Election Day. Mm. I'm, I'm more of a long-term thinker. And as much as I'm happy to see your organization pop up, I think you guys are going to do fantastic things for the cause of liberty. My biggest question is, okay, on November 9th, where does Republicans for Johnson Weld go? That's a really good question. I think that all of us have to take a deep breath and see where things uh, are in terms of the presidential election itself. Um, this process itself at Republicans for Johnson Well, we're taking things one day at a time, our initial focuses. We want to make sure that the 50 state ballots are truly representing the Libertarian Party as well, that we have that option for everyone there. I think there's just a handful of states where we're still collecting signatures, and we want to help the Libertarian Party accomplish that goal. We then want to make sure that we get these guys on the presidential debates. And then, of course, we engage more in the traditional campaigning. And I think it will be more traditional at that point is if they get on the debate stage, they'll have that sort of impact and appeal. 
But beyond that, you know, we have to see what happens if they get elected. We have to see what happens in the unlikely scenario, in my view, that the the division of the votes is such that they, they have to throw us to the House of Representatives. But no matter who wins, we have to take a deep breath as Republicans for Johnson and Weld and decide, okay, where are we now? I think a lot of us remain committed to the idea that the, the GOP is a good vessel for a lot of the same principles and uh, values that libertarians hold. Um, you know, that's always been – I feel that more libertarians and republicans have, have gone back and forth between those two parties than uh, the Democrats and the libertarians. I, and there are some Democrats that consider, consider themselves somewhat libertarian. But, um, but it's a good question because I think we have to take a deep breath and look at the party and say, is there a space for us to take this vehicle that has been of, of significant value in advancing something that is much closer to what libertarians would believe? Does that brand still exist? Can it exist in such a way that we can continue making um, solid gains and, and moving the peanut forward in the right direction? Um, we have significant uh, presence in state legislatures and uh, – in governorships, we and you know, and, and certainly at the federal level, we have a, a you know decent history of electing Republicans president in the U.S. Senate and the House, and so I think that um, there's a certain value there that we're not necessarily ready to say, hey, the party has perished. Um, what do we do now? I think that this is a very strange point, but and, you know, in history, there have been points where parties have. Um, perished and they've you know the they've gone you know they've become footnotes in history or they've become a thing of the past in every way imaginable i'm not sure the gop is getting to that point so once this is over we all of us that are on this organization and this organization have to look and, and see where we feel we want to go there have been many republicans who have switched parties and have become libertarian more than i had ever seen in my life um we're telling them that we still feel that this is a good vehicle for our ideas, but that Trump just isn't the guy. And um, I think it's it's something we can't really assess until we cross that bridge in November. But those are the kind of questions that we will be asking ourselves. Can this still be a viable vehicle and brand to push for these principles, many of which we share with the Libertarian Party and Libertarian activists? Okay. Ed Lopez, co-chairman of... Republicans for Johnson and Weld. Folks, we're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. Hang on tight. You're listening to the Remster Republic. We'll be back in a moment. Take the show on the go by subscribing to the Rims of the Republic on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and YouTube. Don't be left out. When did failure become sexy? When did repeating the same mistake over and over again sound smart? I'm Lucy Brenton, candidate for U.S. Senate, and like you, I'm worried about the future of our country. I've taught my children simple principles, which our government has forgotten. Live within your budget. Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. We remember those simple kindergarten rules. Isn't it time our government does? To learn more, check out my website, LucyForSenate.com. That's LucyForSenate.com. Join me and make your vote count on November 8th. My name is Lucy Brenton, and I approve this message. What's our problem with messaging the ideas of liberty? Is it the ideas? Is it the people? Maybe it's both. Maybe it's the fact that we're just not doing it in a smart type of way. This is where the Libertarian Youth Caucus comes in. The Libertarian Youth Caucus represents the millennial wing of the Libertarian Party. 
They're trying to expand the party base while finding new ways to communicate simple, timeless principles such as open minds and free markets. What we need to know is how to find the next generation of voters and make them vote for liberty. We can have a smaller government and a freer economy in our lifetime. And I believe that if we want to help invest in the Libertarian Party, the best way to do so is with the Libertarian Youth Caucus. Learn more about them today at lyc.silkstart.com. That's lyc.silkstart.com. This message is approved by the Libertarian Youth Caucus. Alright everyone, welcome back to the show. We have co-chairman of Republicans for Johnson Weld, Ed Lopez, on the show. Ed, are you still there? I'm still here. Perfect. So, to kind of sidestep, because I think I may have started off the show on a bit of a sour note, what what was the moment in your life where you just knew that this campaign of Trump was just not something you wanted to be associated with? Where was your light bulb moment? Well, I, I lived in New Hampshire, uh, to be fair, uh, um, the last election cycle. And so when Trump made his presence, um, when he availed himself to Republican politics and to the primaries in New Hampshire, my, my gut instinct was just, I'm not a big reality TV fan. My skin is great because of many reasons. First, the color. It's beautiful. Even when I'm not tanned, I'm tanned. So I always have a really nice color. Some of you white people out there who shall remain nameless have a lot of little spots on your skin. Our skin isn't spotty. It's really kind of even tone. We're just one shade of medium brown where you guys are multiple shades of white. So it's easy to maintain. And my skin produces more sebum than your skin probably produces. What is sebum, you may ask? Sebum is a natural moisturizer that my skin produces on its own. So I need very little moisture in the summer and a little more in the winter when it's drier here in Southern California. So my skin is pretty smooth and constant 365 all year long. And to me, it was just part of that entire uh, circus, to be honest with you. And so I wasn't very keen on his candidacy back then. I never thought it had any credibility. Of course, he didn't really follow through anyway. This election cycle, there's a, a, a huge lesson to learn from his candidacy. This lesson is I don't really think there are that many people that thought he could win. I certainly didn't think he could win, um, but he did. But the lesson we can take from this is when somebody says Johnson and Weld can't win, I think what you draw from the Trump lesson is they can. This is a very unpredictable election. I understand that people are upset about a lot of things. I think a lot of Trump supporters have legitimate concerns that can be addressed, but I think Trump is the candidate for when you acknowledge that you have a certain uh, type of anger about something. Uh, Johnson and Weld represent this, the next stage, which is when you come to that resolution that there are ways to resolve these problems, that we live in a nation that can uh, pull you know, thoughts and ideas together and come up with a plan to, to you know, continue as a, as a world leader in ideas and freedom and, and uh free markets and, and things that have made us the strong society that we've been. We certainly have a lot of uh, issues that are challenging us as, as Americans, but 
Um, if we look beyond the anger and we start thinking, okay, I've been, you know, I'm done with the anger. I'm done with the venting. We, we need to elect people who are going to help us resolve these issues. That's Johnson and wealth. And so my moment, again, going back to the original question was since I first saw him run in 2012, even though it was a brief thing. Um, but ultimately there's something to learn from it. And that's that Johnson and Weld are viable candidates because I certainly didn't think Trump was. I don't think a lot of people did. And there he is with the Republican nomination right now. Yeah, I mean, it kind of just reminds me of President Camacho from the movie Idiocracy. She's barren with all that starving bullshit and the dust storms and we running out of french fries and burrito coverings. Yeah. But I got a solution. That's what you said last time, didn't you? I got a solution. You're a dick. South Carolina, what's up? Yeah. That's what I thought. It, it just stopped being a joke at one point. And the one positive thing I'll say about Bill Well during the last CNN town hall debate was I love the fact when he was when him and Gary Johnson were asked who are some of your role models some of the people that inspire you and both men were like Thomas Jefferson and the fact that they were able to sit on that stage and say yeah we're 19th century Jeffersonian classical liberals I mean that showed me wow we we have people that are willing to put that term out there that might be a little bit too you know hodgepodge academic for certain people but for the longest time america was a very classically liberal nation a lot of modern day conservatives still go back to those classical liberal elements of limited government religious freedom free markets individual autonomy things that modern day liberals have just kind of strangled beaten up chained to a wall and crucified so for them to sit up on that stage say that and just be the sane option in the room it definitely makes me think, wow, they're considered fringe, but the psychopath that can't tell the difference between his Twitter <laughs> account and the nuclear button on the Oval Office's desk right. <laughs> is somehow the best option. I mean, I I can't I don't know what's going on with the Republican Party. There were so many of these Tea Party conservatives, these constitutional conservatives that stood for so many of the same principles that I and many others stand for, and they're defending this moron? <laughs> it's, How it's really are you going to reach tough. out to them? No, it's really tough to understand. I think that you mentioned a critical point, which is Johnson and Welder are able to summon from our American history and from uh, – they can summon those values and ideas that helped make the republic what it is, you know, in, in terms of the, the positive things and, and the overall picture of, of what has made us a great country. I think that the Trump machine – reflects a different uh, phase in our in our society, which is, again, it goes back to this whole reality TV thing. And I think that a lot of people have accepted that sort of culture. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of times politics are so much defined by culture. There's a, a convergence of entertainment and politics. And unfortunately, I think this is the result of that. And it's very easy. I think it's very easy for people to react viscerally to what Trump says. You know, they're again, they're angry about things that are legitimate. But I think that 
if people take a step back, take a deep breath and say, you know, this is the office of the presidency. This is the person that we is going to uh, lead the country and, and, and hopefully lead Congress and, um, and set an example for the states. If, when we pause and think about that, maybe there's hope that people can understand that this isn't a reality show. And we need people that can summon all these historical figures and all these uh, things that have happened over the course of, of this nation's history, because those are, that's, you know, we don't want history to repeat itself when it hasn't done something right, but we also need to learn from that and, and do things better the next time. And I think that's a really important point that you make, that these are two governors with a great deal of experience. Um, they have proven records of fiscal conservatism, and at the same time, they also reflect that sort of intellectual uh, that intellectual flavor that you need in our leaders. And uh, hopefully Americans will see that, especially if they get on the debate stage and they start talking in substance. And and that's one reason I feel like, even if you're a Trump supporter, there a lot of them are holding their nose supporting Trump. That This is fact. I know a lot of people didn't want to support him. Now they're, they're doing the party unity thing. Well, you know what? I would say to them, help us get Johnson and Weld on the debate, on the debate stage because – the worst that can happen if you're really going to stay committed to Trump is they're going to force both Clinton and Trump to discuss issues in the type of substance that you should expect from your presidential candidates. And so I think that we're, we all have an interest in having these two guys on the debate stage. And um, and I think it, it goes to the point that you made. I, I think it's about having substance at that debate stage. Yeah, and you just kind of reminded me of something. I'm going to kind of go off on a tangent for a second, but I've worked on presidential campaigns. I've worked on state House of Delegates campaigns. I think the most, well, probably the most tense, high-stakes race I was ever a part of was actually a small city council race in Lynchburg, Virginia. Wow. I mean, that was, of, of all the things I would have expected, I expected that to be the easy gig. I expected that to be, you know, kiss some babies, shake some hands, mm. get, get in the local newspaper. It would be nice <laughs> and, you know, rainbows and unicorns right. and all that stuff. It would have been nice. <laughs> but no, that was scary. I've, I've dealt with some pretty intimidating people in that race. But one of the things I remember, my candidate was a conservative. He ran as an independent. And many people who were longtime financial supporters of the local Republican Party, they ended up jumping ship to help us out. And I remember this one guy, he was a former chairman of the local county GOP, he came up to my candidate one time, you know, off the record type of deal. I won't say his name, but he was like, you know what, I'm glad that you're in this race because what you're doing is better for the Republican Party than half the stuff we've done for ourselves. And my candidate, he was very fresh in the politics. He was like, what, what do you mean by that? And he's like, you're forcing this career politician to be accountable for something, and you're dragging him back to his conservative values, whether he right. wants to or not. And I just wish more people would think about that. But, Ed, we're going to go ahead and hit our last commercial break. Folks, you're listening to the Remsor Republic. Hang on tight, and we'll be back in a moment. in the mix. For years, the Republican and Democrat parties have used social issues and crises to keep us at odds with one another. They've divided us into groups and pit each group against the other, while those in government have together collaborated to strip us of our liberty little by little. In 2009, I decided to do something about it, and the Rupert for Senate campaign was born. Government of, by, and for the people requires our participation, not as voters, but as leaders and decision makers. But the parties have made it all but impossible for real, ordinary Americans to do so. 
So this average American has since 2009 worked to give the voters, at least of Ohio, a choice outside the parties. The message is simple. The Constitution protects every American equally, but it's powerless to protect itself. That's our job, and it's time we take it seriously. You can learn more about my campaign at scottrupert.com. I'm Scott Rupert, independent candidate for Ohio's U.S. Senate, and I approve of this message. People often ask me what podcasts I listen to, you know, and I'm not listening to old episodes of my own, that is. There are many great out there. There are some that are entertaining, funny, you learn from them, they just give you a great insight you're not going to hear anywhere else. But there's one show that really comes to mind when I think of where to get your starting ground and understanding what open minds and open markets mean. It's actually the show that I listened to when I first started learning about libertarianism. It's the Lions of Liberty podcast with its host, Mark Clare. Mark and his team do excellent things, from libertarians in a living room drinking liquor to Felony Fridays. They have a great list of just amazing interviews, talking to the movers and shakers in the liberty movement. And let me tell you, if you want to get your friends who are a little apolitical or they're a little liberal or a little conservative, but they like the ideas of liberty, Mark Clare will give it to you at the Lines of Liberty. So go ahead, check them out on Google Play, Stitcher, and iTunes today, and check it out for yourself. I guarantee you will not regret it. Check it out today at www.lionsofliberty.com. everyone we're back Ed one question I have and I know that you probably have this on your website but for those of you that haven't actually gotten to visit the Republicans for site what are kind of your methods for trying to convince Republicans to consider this third party option for once what's your big sales pitch to people and how do you actually hope to get that message to turn into action on election day in November well, one of the most critical things to for them to consider is the negative ratings that both Trump and, and Clinton wrestle with. They, I think all voters understand that they are not very well liked and that a lot of the polling that does show some support for them is people holding their noses saying, well, you know, this is our party's nominee or whatever, fill in the blank, some, some reason why they have to support that candidate. So we're asking people to consider that these were two Republican governors reelected twice and uh, predominantly Democratic states, but they did so while still uh, earning really great ratings from Cato and uh, reducing taxes, cutting taxes, everything a good Republican does. And then doing it on top of that with the battles that they have to uh, face when dealing with Democratic le- legislatures, you have a proven record of, of Republican, good Republican governance in these two states, and you have more uh, combined executive experience than the other uh, candidates that are running in, in, in November. So there's ample reason for a Republican to understand that the generally Republican ticket is the one that the Libertarian Party has endorsed. And the Libertarian Party, you know, of course, there was a lot of debate about that in the Libertarian Party. They understood these were two former Republicans. But I think, you know, we we have found that commonality with the Libertarians, those of us that have been active in the GOP. um, We found that commonality that is so critical to running a country in a way that is economically sound um, and prudent. And so... This is your opportunity to do something to shake the system up. If you're really 
upset about the way things have been running and the status quo and crony capitalism and all these things, there's no better solution than saying, hey, these two guys that went third party, you know, this is the year to get these guys in there and basically, you know, give that shock to the system. But one, but what we do appreciate as Republicans is that they do bring those values and those proven records that uh, show what a good Republican would govern the way that they would govern. And um, it, it, this is your opportunity to fix something that I think a lot of people disagree with. So many Republicans are not happy with the outcome of the primary process in the party. This is an opportunity to rectify that. And I honestly feel these two guys are, you know, at one point they represented the future of the GOP and the future of the GOP in a lot of ways is existing vicariously through the Libertarian Party. And I think it's because the Libertarians have always been solidly grounded on these principles and ideas that the GOP at one point um, stood by more ferociously. And now I think that uh, we have to make sure the GOP moves in that direction again. But the candidates are running as Libertarians. Here's our chance to give to truly shock the system, getting a third-party uh, candidacy in there, and... Uh, giving these genuine Republicans a chance to govern in a way that the Republican Party and the nation deserves. Yeah, I definitely see what you're saying. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of libertarians, they're very invested in the Libertarian Party. I mean, I am too. I've always, I've never been anything but a libertarian. But the one thing I try and emphasize constantly is principle over party and what's better for the country over what's better for one faction or the other. And as I look at my life, I, I definitely agree with the method that you're thinking of. If that leads us to strengthening our republic, to actually taking a strong stand and fighting for liberty, I'd rather see that than vice versa. But, I mean, just, just looking back through history, my favorite Republicans are probably some of the most unpopular Republicans. I mean, I'm thinking Calvin Coolidge, Silent Cal. No one ever talks about him, but if you want to talk <laughs> about the most conservative president we've ever had, it's probably Coolidge. And then you have, you know, John C. Fremont. People don't mm. know who he is. They say that the GOP is the party of Lincoln, but it would have been nothing if it weren't for John C. Fremont, a man who had his life threatened, who almost withdrew from the very first race where a Republican was on the ticket. And, I mean, the guy, he emancipated the slaves in Missouri when he was a Union general, and Lincoln reversed that because he was afraid of the backlash in the right. North. I mean, John C. Fremont, Calvin Coolidge, and there are many other Republicans, they were people that were willing to go against their party to actually take a stand for liberty, take a stand for the Constitution, and whether the establishment hawks liked it or not, they were forced to go in that direction. And if this is something that makes the Republican Party more liberty-oriented past 2016, I'm okay with that. I, I don't care. Mm. I just want the country to be better, and I hope that other people consider that. I hope that other libertarians consider that. But Absolutely. Yeah, um, to kind of wrap things up, any last-minute thoughts you want to throw in there? No, I mean, the the key thing is for people not to be so disappointed in what's going on nationally that they actually come out and vote. That, I mean, that's that's the most critical thing. But the, the thing that we need the most help with is no matter who you're going to support, there's nothing wrong with having that other option on the ballot. So if you're in one of those states where they're still collecting some signatures to get these guys on the ballot, um, signing it doesn't mean that you're voting for them, but it does mean that you give – uh, voice to another view, and it means that your candidate is going to be that much better because he or she is going to de be debating um, that other person. And, you know, that's the other piece is getting these guys in the debates. You, we need to let media outlets know, and we need to let the anyone who's running debates know that 
we need these guys up there on that stage. And then come November, you're still going to have any of your choices. But this is the moment to really prove something and, and, and shock the system and do something really different. And we have an incredible uh, group of Republicans with incredible histories in the party uh, taking a risk by saying, hey, we're going to go with this ticket. And there's a really good reason why. Ed, definitely if post-election day you want to immigrate over to the Libertarian Party, I'll definitely sponsor you. Okay. <laughs> well, I <laughs> but, appreciate that. Yeah, thing. but sir, thank you so much for coming on. If people want to learn more about your organization, follow you, learn more about it, all that jazz, how can they do so? Republicansforjohnsonwell.com is our website, and that's connected to all the social media outlets. And we've been, really been getting an incredible amount of press, um, you know, CNN, MSNBC, uh, newspapers across the country. All those stories are linked there, and we speak in substance about why we're supporting the Johnson Weld ticket and why we're inviting you to support them too. Ed Lopez. Co-chairman of Republicans for Johnson Well 2016. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you. It was great. Thank you so much. Folks, this is your moment. This is where everything hinges on. Think about it. Just, just take a moment. On November 8th, I'm really hoping you go vote. Even if you're not going to vote for Johnson Wilde, I, I want you to go and vote. But I want you to consider this. If Trump becomes president and you voted for Trump, your guy's going to win the White House. He's still going to screw you over. If you go and vote for Hillary Clinton and she wins the White House, your gal won the White House. She's going to screw you over. Now, Gary Johnson, Bill Weld, I'm not an apologist for them. You know that. But look at what they did in Massachusetts. Look at what they did in New Mexico. Even if they do screw you over, I don't see that happening. I see this as a moment where we can actually make an impact for liberty, for the Constitution. What I'm asking you to do is go out and vote and ask yourself how you're going to feel going to sleep that night as you call your family, as you hang out with your friends, as you look at your investments, as you watch TV and observe the world around you. I'm asking you to think about it. Give this a shot, because you might not ever have this option again. As always, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can find me at Remso101 on Facebook or www.facebook.com slash Republic. And if you can... Listen to the show some more. I mean, go on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube. Subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you like and what you didn't like and how we can improve. And if you love it, just give us five stars and say rock on. As always, I'm your host, Remso W. Martinez. Good night, America. Oh, and screw the FCC. Good night. Stay connected to Liberty's Rabble Rouser on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with the latest episodes, blogs, and other available content. What are you waiting for?